The biggest barrier to faith in God is... What do you think? What is the biggest barrier to faith in God? Hey there, friend. How's your Monday going? On this day that Notre Dame is burning, we come to you. And that image of that church on fire may be a metaphor of your life. Do you believe God's for you? Do you believe he has your best interests at heart? Or are you living in some kind of circumstance that has you doubting God's goodness, his care, his attention? Like a proverbial fire has been lit to your life. That's where you are. You're not alone. And this week, we celebrate a moment in time when those who knew Jesus best felt a huge amount of doubt and loss, and they were confused. I'm hoping today's program is going to be like an Emmaus Road experience for you, where you are reminded of the truths that you believe. Or today could be a wake-up call if you, you're not believing the truth about yourself or God. Wherever you are, there's a place for you here at the Radio Backyard Fence. Our guest today says the biggest barrier to faith in God is life itself. If you've gone through a divorce, infertility, cancer, some other diagnosis, some huge loss, a person you love, a job you depended on. If life has run you over and backed up and done it again, pay attention And if you're like me and you can't afford to pay attention, let's consider something that happened 2,000 years ago. And in the process, I think you'll gain a fresh perspective on what believing really means. If your life is falling apart, come on in. I'm Chris Fabry. We are live, hence the title of the program. President of Keep Believing Ministries, Dr. Ray Pritchard, has some thoughts for us straight ahead. I think it's going to be a good conversation. Thanks in advance to Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trisha, our producer, our Maria answering your calls. Two things before we get started today. Number one, today is April 15, and in honor of that auspicious date, on our Facebook page today, I have posted a 21-year-old audio clip of something my erstwhile friend and compadre Greg Wheatley created early one morning in 1998. You go there and you listen. You will hear... Uh, something this this might be something you should send to a certified public accountant you know who is nearing the finish line climbing Mount Everest on uh, April fifteenth. Listen to Johnny Outacash. We posted it at our Facebook page. It'll make you smile, I guarantee. Number two, this program runs on the prayers and gifts of people like you, people like Liz. Liz lives in Colorado, and today she said this: "Hi, Chris. I love your show. She's got like four O's in there." I'm a stay-at-home mom, a two-year-old boy. I listen to lots of the podcasts. Yours is one of the few I listen to. You're biblically sound and emotionally healthy slash aware. Oh, that's interesting. Your program refreshes my soul. I often share your podcasted programs with friends and family. Thank you for your ministry. Well, Liz became a Backfence friend today. Liz, thank you. We're going to send Liz Choose Greatness by Dr. Gary Chapman, Dr. Clarence Schuler. It's a little uh, over the head of her two-year-old right now, but you know what? In just a few years, it will help her son make technology work for him instead of controlling his life, show him how to form healthy relationships with girls, provide the groundwork for making good choices about things like drinking, smoking, pornography. This is one of the best discussion starters for young men I have ever seen. Choose Greatness is the title. It's our thank you right now if you become a Backfence friend. Today, call 866-95-FABRY or 866-953-2279. Or you can go to chrisfabrylive.org and become a Backfence friend today. chrisfabrylive.org. And thanks for your support.
Dr. Ray Pritchard serves as president of Keep Believing Ministries. He's a frequent guest here on the program. We have him on as much as we can possibly do that, especially with what happened to him in January. We're going to talk about that. His latest is a reissue. It's an updated version of Keep Believing, Finding God in Your Deepest Struggles. It's our featured resource at chrisfabrylive.org. And just before we went on the program, Dr. Pritchard said to me, uh, are you going to ask me at all about Notre Dame? I had not. I had my head down doing my work here, Ray, and I did not see the burning of the cathedral there in Paris. And I want I want to get your take on this as you've watched the flames lick higher and higher. You know, Chris, you you look at what's happening over there. And you realize how fragile everything in this world is. I think if you made a list of the top 10 most iconic church structures in Christendom, Notre Dame Cathedral would be on every person's list. It's just that famous. It's 800 years old. It's, I think, the number one tourist destination in the city of Paris. People come from around the world. Plus, it's a center of worship. Christians have looked to it for its beauty, for its reverence, for for the for the brilliance of the mind of man to come up with such such the the flying buttresses and the ribbed vaults and all of that. And now you 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 look in fact I'm as we're talking, I'm looking at the live stream and it's nighttime over in Paris now and you see the flames going high into the sky. That which was built by the hand of man suddenly destroyed. And I think at least at this hour, they think maybe it was an accidental something from the renovation, but they, they don't know for sure. And it may be a good metaphor here on Monday of Holy Week. I was just thinking to myself, just, just before you asked me the question, the building could be destroyed, but the gospel mm-hmm. itself can never burn. That the, they, the icons can be burned down. The pictures can go, but the truth behind it all can never be destroyed because it comes from the hand of God. And I, I think it's good to remind ourselves here on Holy Week, some things can burn. Eternal things will remain forever. And the truth that this week represents will remain forever. I'm seeing a quote by Cardinal, U.S. Cardinal Dolan. And, of course, obviously we have difference of, of opinion theologically with the Catholic Church, but here's his tweet. I just went next door to our beloved cathedral, St. Patrick's, to ask the intercession of Notre Dame, Our Lady, for the cathedral at the heart of Paris and of civilization now in flames. And I I saw that civilization in flames. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways it is. And then I think of Jesus uh, in his day, when he said, "Tear down this temple, and in three days I'll I'll build it again," to which they all said, or a lot of them said, "How are you going to do? This? How are you going to rebuild that? You can't do this." Of course, he wasn't talking about the temple, but this is one of those churches that, just like the temple in Jesus' day, was something that well, this is always going to be here, and a few years later, it wasn't right. Well, that, that's one of the reasons that the Jewish leaders there at the end, among many others, Chris, but one, one reason they were very angry at him because they understood it was kind of a double reference. He was talking about himself. 
his body. He'll die. He'll rise on the third day. But at one point he said about Herod's temple, not one stone will be left Mm. upon another. And in AD 33, that seemed completely impossible. But 37 years later, the Romans came to town. And when they finished their work, it was literally true, not just that the temple had been destroyed, but the only thing left were the foundation stones that you that make up today the Western Wall, everything else completely destroyed, not one stone left upon another, exactly as Jesus said. So it is with all things made by the hand of man, even those things dedicated to the worship of God. Uh, I think of the words of 1 John 2.17, which uh, you can see there on the campus of Moody Bible Institute. Uh, this world is passing away and all of its desires, but he who does the will of God abides forever. It's a good day to remind ourselves everything built by man will eventually come down. Only that which God builds will last forever. There's probably somebody listening today, Ray, to us, talk about these, you know, things going on around the world, theological matters that we're discussing here in Holy Week, and their life is what we've just described. There, There's not one stone that seems like is on top of another. Everything is rubble in their lives. And I want you to speak to that person. Let me take a break and we'll come back. And if that's you, I want to talk with you today. If you're having, if you're struggling to believe that God is for you, that He is there, that He cares, that there's compassion, I want you to listen to what's straight ahead. And here's our number, 877-548-3675. You can reach out to us right now on Chris Fabry Live. biggest barrier to faith in God, could it be that it's your own life, your own circumstances, the rubble of your life, the choices that you have made, the choices others have made that have affected you? Ray Pritchard believes that. Dr. Pritchard is the author of Keep Believing, Finding God in Your Deepest Struggles. And boy, looking back a couple thousand years ago, there were some people who are really struggling at the loss of their leader, at the taking of his life, what they had planned, what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. And everything seemed like it was in rubble. But God, but God. Ray, what do you say to somebody listening today who identifies too well with the burning of the cathedral in Paris? Their life is rubble today. What do you say to them? When you stand back and look at Holy Week. There's so many different avenues, so many different perspectives, but one of the most fascinating ones to me is to read, go through Holy Week, and to realize that while God is unfolding his plan, that his son should become the savior of the world who will save anyone who will believe in him, while that's unfolding, it's quite clear that the men, the boys, the guys, the apostles, They don't really get it. They don't really understand, even as we're going through Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. One of the most poignant moments is, I'm not sure if that's the right word. Maybe I'll change that in a moment. But Thursday night in the upper room, this solemn moment, Jesus is explaining 
what's going to happen. And he washes their feet and they, they institute the Lord's Supper out of the Passover observance. And one of the gospel writers comments that at the Lord's Supper in the upper room, at some point in that holy moment, they begin to argue among themselves which of them was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And I, I got to say, Chris, that always makes me smile a little bit. You have this holy moment. And, and here, all the way near the end, they, they still don't really get what's going on here. So you go the next day to, to, to Calvary, and the disciples are watching from a distance, and then Jesus dies and the disciples, including the men that Jesus had so personally trained, they all are afraid and they ran away. And I find myself strangely encouraged by that. Here are real men, flesh and blood, trained by the Lord himself. And yet in the crisis moment, it is the Lord who is doing God's will. And they, in their weakness, turn and they run away. I find that so many times I, I look at the world around me and I see it seems to be going up in flames and it might yep. be dreams and hopes and it might be a loved one going through something and it makes no sense to me. I don't think we need to be afraid of our doubt. I don't think we need to be afraid of our fear. I don't mm. think we need to be afraid of our consternation. It's perfectly fine to say, Lord, I don't get this. I don't understand. Sometimes, Chris, uh, the reason I wrote this book, Keep Believing, sometimes it's really hard to keep believing. And in those moments, we got to go back to what we know to be true or else, or else our faith is going to be shaken so completely that we may walk away from it entirely. I don't think we have to do that. I'd rather say uh, with, with the Father in Mark chapter 9, I believe. Help mm, thou. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Lord, I'm trying to believe. I'm doing the best I can. Lord, help my unbelief. That's really encouraging, Ray, and and there are several different ways that we could go, but I, I, I want to camp on that, um, the ability of Jesus to fully depend and trust in what God the Father was doing and what the Holy Spirit was going to do after that and if it were me with saddled with you know what he had in front of him i'd sit the guys down and i'd say look and i got to write a schematic out of here here's what's going to happen and this is going to happen this is going to happen and this and, and he did explain to them and they just didn't have the eyes or the ears to perceive this but but to to say you, you guys not you have to understand i'm going to die not just because they're taking my life i'm going to give my life a ransom for all this i'm i'm the lamb who takes away the sin you know i've got to explain everything he didn't do that he didn't explain it all to everybody but he depended on the god who was in control of all of this and in the holy spirit that was promised to come after that you just see him walking in such great faith that god is at work and he has jesus has his what he needs to do and that is what he's doing at every step we we can learn from that at least five different times chris the lord before holy week had said i'm going to jerusalem I'm going to die. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. He's going to be spat upon. They're going to beat him. Uh, and, and, and on one occasion, he even says, 
he will be crucified and will rise again. Yes. And, yes. and, and the text says, and the disciples discussed among themselves what it meant to rise again. They didn't, he even told them the whole thing that was going to happen and they're scratching their heads and rather than feel, rather than make them look bad, I suppose, Chris, that's exactly what I would do too, because none of them had ever seen or experienced or even imagined a resurrection before. So let us take great encouragement from several things here. Number one, that, that what happened during Holy Week was indeed holy. It was planned by God. You know, the book of Acts talks about uh, these wicked men, Herod and, and Pilate mm-hmm. and the others, and the, with wicked hands, and then it says, according to the predetermined plan of God, were those men who crucified Jesus, were they wicked? Yes. Did they have wicked ideas? Yes. Were their motives bad? Yes. Were they somehow doing what God intended should be done? Yes, it was part of the unfolding plan of God to provide salvation for a world that was burning up, that was going down, that was completely lost. Is there a mystery here? Yes, there is. So let us be encouraged that what happened on Good Friday, because that's a question people say, what was good about it? Because I think, Chris, if you and I had been standing there not knowing, it didn't look like anything very good was going on that day. But seen from the standpoint of eternity, Good Friday was the turning point of all human history. It was good because it was part of God's plan to bring salvation to a world in desperate need of forgiveness. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've, I've tried to th- see this through the prism of the evil one, too, and what what he wanted to do to thwart God's plan to reach out to humanity and to reconcile us to himself and I think there was a at least a part of this that the enemy felt like I won a big a, a, a big battle here. This is a maybe I've won the war here because God's anointed, the Holy One, is on a cross and is dying and is put in the tomb. I mean, what it it seemed like victory, didn't it? You know that Friday night in the garden tomb, it seemed. From the standpoint of the devil, as if he had won, and it seemed as if the forces of good had been defeated forever. And if if you could imagine down in hell some kind of party breaking out or some kind of wild, evil celebration, cheering and so on, going throughout Friday night and Saturday morning and Saturday night, and then suddenly the news comes that the stone has been rolled away. And the tomb is empty, and Jesus has come back from the dead. And down in hell, total silence, turn out the lights, the party's over. Jesus, the victor, has walked out of the grave. He has defeated death once and for all. And as someone has very well said, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, all of his people walked out with him. When he defeated death, we ended up on the winning side of history because we are united by faith with the Son of God whom death could not destroy. So here we are Monday, and we're heading toward Friday. But past Friday is silent Saturday. I I had a – Chris, I remember uh, many, 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 maybe 30 years ago, 
a dear friend of mine who had struggled with cancer uh, was was dying, and it was almost Easter, and he died during Holy Week. And somebody said, oh, how sad to die during Holy Week. And somebody else said, oh, no, it's the best week to die because it always ends with a resurrection. Hmm. How true. How true. And yet I know that there's probably somebody listening today and you're in the middle of walking through the rubble of your life. Or maybe you're tuning into our program today and you don't have this kind of peace and assurance and real trust that God is for you or hanging on to you. You're trying to a lot of people, Ray, will will define faith or belief as my ability to hang on to God or whatever it is. Some people have faith in faith, you know, just believe, just believe. This is not what you're talking about. It's it's so important what the object of your faith is, right? It is not faith that saves. It is faith in Christ that saves. Or maybe we should say it's not faith alone that saves. It's Christ who saves by faith alone. You can have weak faith in a strong object. There's a lot of people out there whose faith seems weak today. I understand that. I have been there myself. I think every child of God goes through seasons of darkness, dark moments of the soul where you cry out and you pray, and it it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and hitting you in the head. And if there's anybody out there like that now, and I'm sure there, there are people listening who feel that God is far away, my advice to you is not to trust in your feelings because in the moment of doubt, your feelings will lead you astray. I advise you to go back to what you know to be true, what the theologians call first principles, back to the basics. There is a God who created all things. There's a God who knows me. There's a God who loves me. There's a God who gave his son to be my savior. There's a God who raised his son from the dead. His son is now my savior. I am joined to him by faith. His spirit is living in me and the words of the Bible were true, are true, and always will be true. And Chris, what I'm doing, and I'm saying it this way, I often do that myself. I just go back and repeat to myself what I know to be true. It's like going to a church and repeating the Apostles' Creed on Keep going back to what you know to be true. It's like we said about the fire in the cathedral. They can destroy the cathedral. Fire can bring it down. But the truth about God and Jesus Christ and the crucifixion and resurrection, that remains forever. The fire can never destroy the eternal truth of God. So go back in the moment of doubt to what you know to be true and stand on that truth. And then at the beginning of the program, Ray, I said, I want this really to be kind of an Emmaus situation for somebody, for anybody who's listening. And the disciples who were going to Emmaus as they're walking on the road, they're joined by this other person who asks, you know, why, why are, what's going on here? (laughs) And I, you know, are you the only one who doesn't know? And then this other person begins to speak and to explain. And it was as if there there was a fire that was burning in deep inside. And the other person, of course, was Jesus himself who was walking with them. I've thought about that 
over the last uh, few days that this is really a picture of our life. We keep coming to these Emmaus Road uh, scenes of our lives where Jesus speaks into, as we look at the scriptures, he speaks again and again the truth and ignites this ember inside. That's a great story because it, if you think about the two men on the on the road to Emmaus, it's Easter, you know, maybe in the afternoon, right? So they've heard the news, but the news doesn't make any sense to them. They've heard people talking. They've heard that this stone was rolled away, and they've even heard some people say Jesus rose from the dead, but they can't put it all together in their minds. And what does Jesus, and as you said, they don't even know it's him, what does Jesus do beginning at all, beginning at the very beginning and throughout all the prophets? He, he explained to them what the scriptures clearly said. And then he said, Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe mm-hmm. all that the prophets have spoken. That's sort of what I meant when I said, keep going back to what you know to be true. Jesus takes them back to the, to the written word of God, to the truth of God. And it's only later that he reveals himself to them. He he made himself known to them in the breaking of the bread. And then suddenly it all became clear, and they go running back to Jerusalem filled with joy and spread the word, Jesus is alive. Guess what? We talked to him this afternoon. That's the value of knowing the truth of God, that in the dark moments of the soul, you keep going back to what you know to be true. Hmm. Maybe that's where you are in some dark moment. Love to talk with you today. 877-548-3675 is our number. 877-548-3675. Dr. Ray Pritchard is the author of Keep Believing. It's our featured resource at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Dr. Ray Pritchard is with us, the president of Keep Believing Ministries. You can find out more about him, link to his website, and our featured resource today, the reissue, a new version of Keep Believing, Finding God in Your Deepest Struggles. It's at chrisfabrylive.org. If you've listened to this program for any amount of time, you know that Dr. Pritchard comes alongside us and we, we have some good conversations. A couple of months ago, in January, as a matter of fact, he had a great fall not Humpty, but uh, Ray Pritchard had a great fall on his bike, and there was a pretty serious uh, injury. He has spent the last two and a half months basically flat on his back, and a week ago this past Friday, I saw, Ray, that you got back up on the bike. You've changed the pedals uh, to a different configuration so you don't have the same possibility of that you know, that accident that you had. But I want to know from you, you know, life kind of hit you upside the head a couple, two months ago, and you've been flat on your back. What have you learned in this time? Well, first of all, Chris, I want to say thank you to you and to all the listeners who who prayed. That has made a huge difference. From January the 2nd until the middle of March, I was BBR, bed, bathroom, recliner, basically 24 hours a day. And from a lifestyle of pretty much continual nonstop activity, including a whole lot of travel to a whole lot of places. Suddenly the Lord just, uh, he just told me, son, pull over here and park for a little while. People say to me, can God speak to me today? 
and I want to say, yeah, let me tell you, he's got your number on speed dial, and he can get through to you anytime he wants, and you're not going to put him on call waiting either. Because when I ran over that piece of ice about 315 on January the 2nd of this year, God got my attention in a brand new way, slowed me down, gave me plenty of time to think, plenty of time to read, plenty of time to pray. Plenty of time to ponder. My friend Harry Ballback told me, Ray, what happened to you was not an accident. It was only an incident. Christians don't have accidents. They have incidents. And and I thought about that. I think that's just another way of saying what we always know from Romans 8, 28, for we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. And I think it is I think it is encouraging and hopeful to look at the worst things that happen to us and to say, that seems like an accident, but it's an incident in the outworking of God's plan for my life. And so that led me to meditate on Job 23.10. He knows the way that I take. When he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. When I was younger, Chris, I used to think a lot about the coming forth as gold and the the gold Mm -hmm. of Christian character and all of that. You know what's exciting to me? Well, that's not the right word. You know what comforts me now much more is the first two words. He knows. He knows the way that I take. He knows where I am. He knows who I am. He knows where I've been. He knows where I'm going. He knows exactly what's going to happen to me before it happens. What a comfort. What an encouragement. What a blessing that there... (laughs) Most of the time, Chris, I don't know what I'm doing, but God knows. God knows. The the gold is good, but the knowledge of God to me is so much better. That we have a God whose ways are beyond all understanding and that there are no accidents in his plans for his children. There's two other things I've learned real quickly. One is I think I've come to a better grasp of the fragility of life. What is your life? It's a vapor, a vapor like a fog on a window that appears for a while and then vanishes away. And I thought about the words of that old hymn, frail children of dust and feeble as frail in thee do we trust nor find thee to fail. Oh, how true that is, how feeble we are, how frail we are. The strongest among us is just here for a moment. We're just, we're like the flower that appears in the morning and the sun shines and in the evening, it, it, it just, the wind comes and blows the flower away. If you don't believe in God, that might be a very discouraging thought, but I am so glad to know that whatever time I have here on planet earth, it's in the hand of a God who loves me. And when my time is done, the Lord is going to take me home to heaven because I put my trust in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the further I go down this trail, Chris, the more I rely upon the grace of God. I look at myself, and I'm less impressed with myself as the years go by. You know, you're young. You think you can do anything. Well, I'm 66 now. Now I know I can't even ride a bike straight across a piece of ice. <laughs> so that's okay. It's good to know your, it's good to know your limitations. And one final thing. Uh, I have felt the prayers of God. And Marlene and I, we have felt the prayers of God's people. And more than ever, I believe in the power of prayer to lift other people up. So can I just say to you, if 
If you see a brother or sister going through a hard time, stop and pray for them. And if you feel the least little inclination, you should pray for them. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you. Go ahead and pray. Because more than ever, these last two or three months, Marlene and I have felt lifted up physically and spiritually by the prayers of God's people. We're not only grateful for that, but I want to do more praying as I go on down this journey because a whole lot of people have prayed for me. Yeah, and it strikes me the evil one, you know, could say, oh, he fell on the ice and now this is going to really, you know, it, what it did was it made you run to that dependence even more. And so maybe that's my question to you as you listen today. What is it that is making it hard for you to believe today? What is it in the past or in the present or the fear of the future that is making it hard for you to believe that God is there and is for you and has a plan? 877-548-3675. Let's go to Tennessee. Vicki is on the line. Vicki, why did you call today? Um, yes, um, I'm going to just sum it up in a nutshell. (laughs) For the past 10 years, at least, probably more, I've been praying for my son. He's a drug addict. And I've prayed every which way I know to pray. I've uh, begged. I've uh, said a chant. Over and over and over. If I if I say this chant five thousand times, it will be answered. Um, I've screamed out loud at God. I've got mad at God. Uh, I've just prayed every way I know to pray, and then I have just slapped my hands, say I know I'm done. But then I know as soon as I say that, I know I'm wrong. I can't give up. I got to keep going. And so the last couple months, I've just dug deeper in the Word. And I know sooner or later, one way or another, my prayer will be answered. And right now, we are going through a very, very hard time with my son. And, uh, you just—that's my barrier. <laughs> that's my whole family. It, it affects my whole family. Aunt, and it uncle, doesn't make any sense, Vicky. You know, and if just if God would just break through, and if it would just do this, you know, grab a hold of your son and and Ray. I know there's a, a chapter in this book about the prodigal and praying for the prodigal. So uh, I think Vicky is probably on your heart. Go right ahead. Vicki, the great good news is that God never wastes any burden that he gives. When God gives a burden, it's because he plans to give an answer. The most hopeless situation in the world would be for somebody, some child, to go away from the Lord and nobody have a burden to pray for him. The burden that you feel, the broken heart of a mother who is praying over and over and over again, is a, that's a gift from God. That burden is truly a gift from God. It's a sign that God intends to answer. He doesn't give a burden without also having a plan to answer your prayers. So may I just say to you, God bless you for not giving up. 
don't give up now. You've gone way too far in your prayers to give up now. And I think we ought to say to the Lord, in all sincerity, Lord, I'm not going to heaven without my son. I'm not going to heaven without my daughter. I'm not going to heaven without my grandkids. Lord, I'm not. I'm not going without them. And I will not give up. I will not give up in prayer. As long as you give me life and strength and voice, I will continue to believe. And I think we should even say, Lord, if we come to the end and our prayers are not answered, we shall heaven that one day, one day, the prodigals will come home and we shall be together in the Father's house. That's how we ought to talk. That's how we ought to believe. And that's how we ought to pray. Because God is good. And and here's the other thing, Ray. There is something going on in Vicki's heart and Vicki's life that wouldn't be going on if she didn't have, and I'm not trying to figure this all out. That's not no, the point of, right. of what I'm just saying, but uh, God is doing something in her heart and life in the middle of the waiting of this, isn't she? Isn't he? You, you know, sometimes when our loved ones walk away from the Lord, we can get so filled with bitterness and anger and despair that even though we go to church on Sunday morning, we ourselves have become prodigals on the inside because we are so angry at our loved ones for what they have done. And I think often the first miracle that needs to happen is not the miracle in the heart of the prodigal. It's a miracle that needs to happen in our own heart to humble us, to, to bring us to the place where we say, Lord, if you don't work, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing else we can say. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and we are delivering our loved one to you. And if that seems like giving up, well, at least it's putting the hopeless case in the right place, which is at the Father's doorstep. And just one final quick word, just remember on Saturday night in the garden tomb, there was a hopeless case. And on Easter Sunday morning, everything changed when Jesus came back from the dead. So never give up. Never, ever give up. Vicki, I I really pray that that encourages you and somebody else who has a prodigal to stand by that that window watching down the road, being ready to run (laughs) when that prodigal turns around. And uh, hanging on to God in the middle of all of this. Thank you. What is it that is making it hard for you to believe today? More straight ahead on Moody Radio. Partners and friends help us do what we do each day here on Chris Fabry Live. And thank you for your support. We come to you by podcast, on the internet, the stream. Do everything we can to get this message of hope into your life. And we do it because there are folks who stand behind us. If you want to become a Backfence partner today, just go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. Give a gift of any size and we'll send you my Backfence post. We send that out each Thursday to kind of pull back the curtain and show you what's going on behind the scenes at times. Um, you could become a Backfence friend there as well. Just go to chrisfabrylive.org or call us at 866-95-FABRY and find out more. 866-953-2279. All right, so Vicky's the mom who said, I've been praying, for, praying and praying for my son 
Anna called right after that. Anna, what did you want to say to Vicky today? Hi, Chris. Well, I wanted to say to Vicky that I've been in her son's shoes. I was a drug addict myself, and I've been clean for 18 years. But that's not the only thing. My mother was a drug addict, and so was my brother. My brother passed away in 2012. For 18 years, I've been praying that my mama gets sober. And yes, I was mad, and yes, I was angry, and I felt the pain that they were going through because I went through that pain myself, you know, doing heroin and getting high and stuff, because I used to get high with them. So I just had to let go and let God, and it was God's will. And I tell you, two years ago, my mother was in Puerto Rico. She came, she decided to change her life, and she's been sober for two years. So she should never give up on prayer. Yes, God took my brother because I know he wasn't going to do any good. But as long as there's life, there is hope. And I am one of them because I've been sober for 18 years now. That is really, really encouraging. And Ray, what do you say to that? It's the kind of good news that we need to hear on a day like this because you, you have Vicki's side of the story. She has been praying for so long. And then Anna comes along and says 18 years. And then her mom now for two years. So let it be said that we serve a God who works miracles, a God who holds the heart in his hands. And I, I can't explain, nobody can really answer, Chris, why a prayer that you have prayed 7,000 times yeah. and seem to get no answer but then you pray it 7,001 times, and suddenly the answer comes from heaven, but that happens all the time. Jesus told the story in Luke 18 uh, that we should always pray and not faint. One of the marks of true faith is that we don't give up, even when everything around us screams at us, go ahead and give up. And God says, no, keep praying, and when the time is right, the answer will come from heaven. I believe that. I think that's what the Bible teaches. We should believe that and never give up. Yeah. And I'm hearing others or seeing others who are saying the same thing, you know, from their experience with, with someone else. But my main question to you today was, what is it that is happening in your life that's making it hard for you to believe today? And Shirley is in Iowa. Shirley, go right ahead. Hi, Chris. I've listened to you for many years, but I'm in a way different place than I ever thought I'd be. I am a walking miracle. It hasn't been an easy road, but the Lord has been with me. And I I just love this subject. I said, I'm busy making my juices to to save myself from cancer, but i got to talk. i got to say, the Lord is good. Back in December the 28th, I broke my wrist because I had no balance. Why didn't I have any balance? We didn't know. Until the 10th of January, my husband brought me to an ENT doctor, and he said, let's do an MRI. I had a brain tumor. I probably had it for 10, 15 years. Who knows? But, you know, the symptom, it was slow growing because I eat healthy. I'm a nurse, and I know about you know, don't eat a lot of sugar and stuff. So I was juicing uh, in the fall of the year because I I ended up with a, a digestive issue that got healed with the juices. But the juices also didn't have any sugar in them, so they were helping to keep the cancer at bay. It has spread, but I have no symptoms in my lung, even though there's cancer there. 
one, I don't know if it's both young lungs, but at least one, or at least supposed to be there, but it's all the way back since January and early February when they checked. So, um, yes, never give up, never give up. And last night, we don't have family worship as much as I'd like. I come from a family that had it. My husband does not, but we had it last night, the four of us. I have a 14 and an 11-year-old child that I'm in my 60s that I wanted the, my husband's babies, and so we did a special in vitro. That's how I got the cancer. I know that's how it happened, but the bottom line is there's two more souls that can be in heaven, and so I'm, I, I'm not going backwards. I'm going forwards, and I'm very, very grateful to say we do serve a living Savior. We sang that song last night, and it brought me back to times when I used to bring my kids to school, and I would be singing that song to them. They're in Christian schools, and um, but it, it is hard to believe sometimes. I've had my struggles. There's times when I said, I don't know if I really wanted to live, not so much because of the cancer, but I believe that cancer can be cured, but my wrist will never be the same. But. Yeah. So I you're know, walking, you're, Shirley. You are in the in the very middle of this. And Ray, uh, Ray said before we uh, started this segment, I want to end with some hope. I want to end with some good news. And I think Shirley's given it to us, Ray. <laughs> I, I love the little expression. She just kind of dropped it in there. She said, "I've learned through all of this, God is good. The Lord is good." And Chris, I think that's the journey all of us are on. We go through hard times, difficulties. We, we, we're on our knees weeping. We look at the unexplainable tragedies of life or things that just make no sense to us. But if we will hang on and not give up, eventually, sooner or later, and Chris, sometimes it's much later, we are brought to the place where we say, even in this, I see the goodness of God. I see the goodness of God in the hand, uh, in the land of the living. And I think on Holy Week, we ought to remind ourselves that in the midst of all the ugliness that happened in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, God was working out something good, deliverance and salvation for the whole human race because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So faith is not just faith in faith, and hope is not just hope in hope. It is that hymn that she was just talking about, I Serve a Risen Savior. He's in the world today, and that's what we proclaim to you, and that's what we hang on to with all of our ability, and really, that's who holds on to us, the risen Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. Hey, thanks a lot for listening today. Ray, God bless you. Come back again real soon, okay? You bet. Thanks, Chris. Featured resource today at the website, chrisfabrylive.org, is Keep Believing and our program's production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks a lot for listening.